Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Minneapolis. With me is Greg Velasquez in Des Moines. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. Thanks for downloading this episode of Scuffed. We're back with our highly controversial list of the top 40 U.S. men's national team players for February 2020. As usual, it's going to be pretty easy to pick the first three or four, and then it gets highly, highly debatable, and we are plagued by recency bias, plagued by our own prejudices and confusions, and uh, and then by the end of it, we're going to be uh, we're going to be tired and even more confused. <laughs> so here goes, Greg. Are you ready? Very ready, Bells. I've got I've got this all down to a science. Yes, definitely a science, scientific method coming at you. So a few more disclaimers before we get started. This is fun. It's really fun for us, and I think it's fun for a lot of people who listen to us. But it's also pretty hard to rank players, wouldn't you say, Greg? It's basically, I mean, it is basically impossible, especially given the state of the program at the moment. The complete like uh, turnover from the last cycle uh, makes it a discussion about 50 unproven players at the international level. Yeah. It's we're maybe we're maybe we're pulling names out of a hat. Maybe we're not. Is I think how you put it earlier. Players who get call ups and are are playing and we you know who we have seen play in the last month are naturally going to get more attention and going to get ranked higher. I mean that's sort of the that's sort of the instinct that we have as human beings. We're going to try to avoid that. We're going to try to um, not be ruled by Greg Berhalter's call ups, but it's just impossible not to completely. So, for instance, Jackson Ewell, really a top 20 U.S. men's national team player? Is he? I guess so. Uh, right? He's, he's, he looks like he's uh, in the 23. He's started five of the last six national team games, but I don't know. He may not, be, he may not really be a top 20 U.S. player. A year ago, he definitely was not. Yeah. A year from now, he may well not be again. So... We just want you to know that we recognize to some extent that this is a foolish endeavor, and uh, but we're going to do it anyway. We're going to do it anyway. <laughs> All right, number one. You go, Greg. Number one, uh, reclaiming his number one spot after coming back from injury, uh, Tyler Adams, promptly injured again. Uh, yeah, I was like, he's back and healthy for RB Leipzig. I had that in the notes until this morning. Oh, wait, no, he's not. Pulled his calf this week in training. According to Julian Nagelsmann, he's played a little more wide right than he has as a central midfielder for RB Leipzig lately. But my take is he's our most important player for the U.S. men's national team as a central defensive midfielder regardless. And for me at least, it's because he's uh, because he's so good at defending in the middle of the pitch. Yeah, breaking things up, covering an incredible amount of space in the midfield, essentially doing the work of one and a half players in there. Uh, Plus there's a player named Serginio Dest who can play right, right back for us. Yep. He's going to come up here pretty soon. Consensus, (laughs) consensus. Number one, Tyler Adams. Number two is Christian Pulisic. Still hurt. Still our best attacking player. I know. I like, I'm so, I'm so hopeful that uh, all of these guys who are just on the cusp of returning to health, actually make it back in time for March. Otherwise, March is going to be, it'll be such a disappointing uh, March window if if all of the guys on this list who are a little bit hurt don't make it back. I, I feel like it's not going to be that disappointing, uh, even if they're not all back. 
because because it'll be a it'll be an MLS light uh, roster, right? Just because so many of the MLS guys will be playing with the Olympics, or because you think they'll leave the MLS guys home with their clubs? I think both. All right. Yeah, I could I could see it. I could see him not wanting to stretch MLS, especially with uh, Concacaf Champions League going on. Yeah, and I wouldn't be disappointed because there's a lot of guys I think that need to have the tires kicked yeah. uh, who are playing over in Europe right now. Yeah. We'll get to a lot of those uh, tire kick candidates in a little bit. We will indeed. So that's also consensus number two. We're in total agreement here. Number three is Serginio Dest. Why don't you take him? Uh, Serginio Dest is back sort of fully in the rotation uh, for Ajax. Uh, he'd kind of fallen out shortly after he'd announced his uh, U.S. national team Commitment. I don't think the two are related, but he'd, he'd sort of fallen into more of a bench role. Um, but he's back. He's back to starting regularly, if not intermittently, and uh, playing really well. He's had some really uh, impressive performances. He's being linked uh, to Bayern Munich for a like pre-transfer, I believe, mm-hmm. in the in the neighborhood of what twenty million. Yeah, reportedly Ajax wanted thirty million for him. That's euros, I believe. And Bayern, it was reported that they they could meet maybe close to the middle at twenty six million, and he was he wait he 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 took a video from uh, the Allianz Arena in in Munich, watching a Bayern Munich game, the the one just, over the weekend, just on holiday in <laughs> Munich, right? It's not that far. It's like it's like traveling from Minneapolis to Des Moines, basically. It's a little further than that. It's a little further than that. Okay, number three, Serginio Dest. I don't think there's much argument on that. Number four is who, Greg? John Brooks, uh, who has actually moved from a regular starter to a regular bench player. So uh, Brooks is on the outs uh, with the manager of Wolfsburg by all appearances, uh, but he's still the first center back on the United States men's national team team sheet. I believe that's correct. Until somebody else proves that they're better than him. And I don't think anybody has center back. That's my, that's my soapbox for the last month. Center back is a position of some weakness and question marks for the men's national team. It's funny. It's, it's deep. It's a very deep position in that there's no drop off. I feel like you could, you could lose Zimmerman. You could lose Ream. You could lose, uh, who's, who's our fourth. Long. Those are long. Well, yeah. Uh, even, yeah, even long. And then, uh, like, you could still be like, okay, well, we'll just plug in Cameron Carter Vickers. Or, all right, well, you know, Miazga, like we have. Miazga. Yeah, Matt Miazga. We, ha- we just have so many guys that we can plug in who have, there's just no discernible difference. Um, so, but none of those guys are particularly strong. Yeah, they're all, they're like all interchangeable aftermarket auto parts. <laughs> That's mean. That's not what they are. They're human beings. But they, but you get the the drift of the metaphor, I think. Um, All right. All right. <laughs> number five is Weston McKenney. So we, we were un, unanimous on our first four names. Here's where we start to diverge. He's went healthy. He plays for Schalke and often starts. I think he's our number eight under Burhalter for now, right? That's where I, I really hope so, uh, I, because I think he's been very ineffective playing as the 10, sort of. Uh, in Berhalter's system, that's that's almost been a right-left distinction. Like, the left central midfielder has been more advanced. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean, sometimes it's like they're almost symmetrical, uh, the two playing above the 
Michael Bradley, Jackson, Ewell, Will, Trap Roll. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of the times, the one on the right, which has been uh, rolled on at times, McKenney at times, uh, they sit a little deeper. They they sort of connect that the lines more, and the one playing on the left sits higher. Uh, and when McKenney's played on the left, I think he's been mostly ineffective, save for his three-goal outburst against Cuba at home. Yeah. That 10-minute hat trick notwithstanding. I agree. It's, it's, it's harder for him to play with his back to goal um, between the lines right on the top of the box. I don't think he's that – he doesn't have the elegance for that sort of – the precision that's required. So, yeah. So I'm hopeful that McKenney is, is the number eight sort of on that right side of the midfield, right side of central midfield. Okay. Who's number six? <laughs> number six is going to surprise people, I think. Uh, it is one Sebastian Legette. Uh, we've been, we've been really high on Legette since January of last year, uh, where he, that was his return from injury in Burhalter's first camp. And he didn't start in either game, but he looked very good in his cameos. And when I say very good, I mean, he came in and looked like he he was playing at a completely different level, uh, and the entire game changed. And that's sort of been his MO for the national team since then. Every time he plays, he does really well. He has like a hundred percent success rate with the national team. Um, and I feel like that, I kind of feel like he's being overlooked or undersold in the, in the whole, like, uh, national team momentum narrative, uh, storylines. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some skeptics on Twitter that, uh, that will argue with you about Legette for a long time. I don't know. He's getting, he's getting his appearances and he's performing. I'm, I'm happy with him at number six. I, I had him, a, you had him a little higher than I did. I think the next the next one is where is where we we kind of di- differed. I had Dwayne Holmes as as the the next midfielder up in my list. You had Legette. I think it's very close and uh, between these two, at least in my mind. And, and, and this, oh, go on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, this is where we get into sort of that uh, confidence interval where, uh, like, all those people who are who are saying Legette at six for real, you guys, like they're they're they have probably legitimate arguments uh but legit could be anywhere from number six to number 25 we just the pick the whole player pool right now is such a cloud that we have to we have to get a lot more data on a lot of these guys we did so little investigating in 2019 uh that this is just how it remains maybe jordan morris is the sixth best player on the national team maybe he's 24th i don't like it's it's just really hard to uh to pinpoint it so there is plenty of room for debate yeah yeah, and we haven't seen we haven't really seen Dwayne Holmes do a full run out with the national team. He's number seven, and he's uh, red hot, as Brian Sharetta says. You want to get into that his his hot streak that he's having? Yeah, we got to get ahead of this. Like to to try to paint it as anything besides like home uh, to try to paint the picture that Holmes is now deserving of a call up, but wasn't deserving before. Uh, it's pretty ridiculous. Um, Dwayne Holmes is definitely not should not be locked in as a starter for the September World Cup qualifiers, but he absolutely should have been getting runouts uh, in October and November of last year. So, so we're definitely going to be late adding Dwayne Holmes. He he is making a great case to be included. He should have been included uh, several months ago. Yeah. It's the whole like goals rule rule the narrative thing where like he's got a couple he's got a few goals he's got a couple assists in the last few weeks, and so so all of a sudden pe- people say well he's you know now he deserves a call up no he was he's he's playing the same way he's been playing all season, he's he's been playing really well all season, 
Sometimes you're just not the guy who gets the goal or the assist, but you still might have a really good game. Not only that, but he actually is, I mean, there are some relevant developments at, at Darby County over the last month and a half, uh, namely Wayne Rooney arriving and inserting himself directly into the lineup. We kind of joked about it, I think, on our last pod that uh, hopefully that would lead to more statistical output for Holmes, which That's would right. then get him recognized and called up. Uh, but yeah, he's, I mean, sure he's actually enough. shifted from playing primarily as a holding mid uh, to now playing primarily as an attacking mid with Wayne Ro- Rooney sitting behind uh, pulling strings and not so shockingly uh, <laughs> Holmes is getting more opportunities to score by playing in a more advanced position. Right. Right. Okay. Number eight, you take it. Uh, number eight, Josie Altador, uh, who you had way up with the sort of top tier guys in that one through five range. Uh, I had him a lot lower. And the reason I have him a lot lower is just because I feel like we have to start holding uh, injuries and dings against him. Hmm. Okay. Uh, in a way that, like, even when he's healthy, it seems like it's almost a bad idea to call him in because you don't want to push it. You know, like, all right, let's just let's just leave him alone for this window. Let him stay with Toronto. He's healthy. There's no reason to, like, uh, take him out of his club and, and hurt him. So now he's got to sit out another month and a half. Um, so I don't know. I just I just feel like I don't even know if we can count on Josie being available. That's really fair. That's really fair. I had him at number five, uh, mostly because... I think our striker position is is so unsettled. Uh, I I was happy with the way Jesus Ferreira played in that Costa Rica friendly, but I don't know that like he's the guy now, you know, at striker. And Josh Sargent has not been playing well lately. Not been I mean, he he had an okay run out over the weekend, but it wasn't you know he hasn't like changed the narrative of him struggling yet. And Altador, you know, when Altador is healthy, he's I think pretty clearly our best striker at this very moment and I, I i just sort of a safety blanket for me i guess yeah yep I, I don't disagree with that it's just it's really hard to have that safety blanket when you can't actually rely on it being there when it just like like spontaneously combusts right you're reaching for that safety blanket and it's actually creating the fire <laughs> all right number nine i think i'll i'll take this one <laughs> is uh giovanni reina Big winner, big winner of this this he, month's top 40. He moved up 33 spots from number 42 <laughs> in December to number 9 in February. This is us righting the grievous wrongs of our past. Reyna was famously omitted from the last top 40. He only has a few professional minutes under his belt now, but I would argue he 100% looks the part of an attacking player for an elite European club. He starts for the U.S. men's national team now in my book, yeah, we're first team truthing it, as it were. <laughs> but I can't I can't really help that. I had and still do have some misgivings about Reyna. He was not great at the U seventeen World Cup and the last time we did this we'd never seen him play against adults. Now he's been entrusted with playing time ahead of players like Mario Goetze. And I think, you know, we talked about this on our very first podcast we ever recorded many, many years ago. But that's kind of all the vetting you need to call a player up to the national team yes that's that's the instant call up right where uh if you it, and, and really it just means that you were probably a little bit slow to the party and that's what we were last last top 40 we were just we just didn't rate him highly enough last time uh he didn't suddenly become he didn't suddenly make this jump he's he's been very good and we were just we were just sleeping a little bit yeah cap him against the netherlands 
I don't think Dorman's going to release him for Olympic qualifying. And I think, you know, just a little bit more on him. He he doesn't release the ball as quickly as he should. I think that's a, that's a criticism that you'll hear if you if you listen to Matt Doyle much. And you've heard it from us as well, from me at least. But he, in combination with, a, you know, all the class on that Dortmund side, they, they respect him. Uh, he, he, he's clean on the ball. He's hard to knock off the ball. He can sort of bend a moment to his own will and beat a guy. And then, of course, he had that, that goal in the DF, DFB Pokal where he he did a couple guys and then curled into the far right corner is one of the, maybe the nicest goal we've seen in 12 months from a men's national team player. <laughs> it's a good goal. Yeah. I'll give him I'll give him the, that it's a good goal. Yeah, he's a I mean uh it's totally realistic to think too that uh some of those sort of concerns that you've you've had with him are concerns born of playing with U17 players. Uh and I mean that like Having having an ego isn't a bad thing for a elite at, for an elite athlete. So if if Rain is playing with seventeen year olds and he's a little bit reluctant to give give up the ball, even though maybe it's sort of technically the correct play. Uh, yeah. Okay. If he's playing with Dortmund and he's releasing the ball at the right time to the players that Dortmund have, then then all of the that U seventeen stuff kind of just fades away. And you're like, okay, he obviously sees the game well, uh, understands the concepts, and and can execute. Uh, so. You know, I don't. I don't know that the. Uh, I'm just going to throw out the word ball hog. I don't think that the ball hog concerns are going to be any kind of an issue for him going forward. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. There might be legitimate concerns of like he's not the uh, like totally incisive passer that you want in a number ten. That we might have other players who sort of fit that bill more often. But I don't think it's going to be a case of like he literally just won't give the ball up. Yeah, I'm, to be clear, I want him on the wing. I want him on the wing. And I think some people would say, well, Jordan Morris was our best player or one of our best players in 2019 for the national team. So why would you put Giovanni Reina after you know less than two hours as a professional ahead of him? And to that, I just say, I'm doing it. I'm putting Reina ahead of Morris. <laughs> uh, my, my sort of guiding philosophy for this particular top 40 was, uh, like, who do I want to see with four friendlies before World Cup qualifying. So I know sometimes I think we go with if there was a qualifier tomorrow. This one is like we do have four friendlies before qualifying because I'm counting Nations League as friendlies because they mean absolutely nothing results-wise. And so we need to to do this investigating. Like we need to do it now because if Reyna improves us, we need to know that because September is, is for the real money. I can't imagine he won't be in that camp in Europe. In March, in about six weeks, right? Yeah, it has to be. has to be called up. I mean, Berhalter uh, went from not, you know, I mean, like, think of the precedent here being Serginho Dest getting his uh, minutes with Ajax to start this season in August and instantly called up, instantly starting for the U.S. So I, I feel like Rain is going to follow a similar trajectory for the national team. Yep, yep. And, and a lot of the same arguments apply. I think Berhalter specifically mentioned the fact that Des was entrusted with minutes in a Champions League qualifier, which is important for that you know for that club. Reyna's been entrusted with minutes when uh, Julian Brandt went down in a you know in, in the middle of a title race for Dortmund. It's, it's yeah, a, and a lot of the same stuff applies. Couple couple more injuries at Dortmund, so Reyna could also be looking at a significant minute increase between now and the March window. Yeah, I mean, based on what we've seen so far, I don't, I don't think a start is out of the question. Maybe he'll get dinged for pulling that guy down behind the play. And 
Who knows? Let's move on. Number 10. Who's that? Number 10, Timmy Weah. Uh, Weah is just right on the verge of a return, it sounds like, uh, potentially. <laughs> we, I, just, I just hold my breath on all these injury returns, but uh, he's been out forever. Uh, I think Since he played August, in the, I think. Yeah, he played in like the season opener for Lille and then... Uh, and then I think not since then with the, with the hamstring done. So, uh, Wea coming back, I'm very excited about, again, I think that Wea adds like a real element of like clean play, uh, that you can, that you can build up your possession offense around, uh, just a sharpness. And I think he is, uh, somewhat incisive. So I have him really high. I think I have him a lot higher than you, but, uh, I, I just, I feel like we are in this territory where, Timmy Weah may be an upgrade over Jordan Morris. Has he proven it yet at any real level? No, he has not. Uh, but what we've seen, from what I've seen him play at, uh, I fully believe that he could do the things that Morris does and add pieces. Yeah, I, I hope you were right about all that. I, I had him at number 14 and you had him at number 7, so he, here he is at number 10. Uh, I hope you are right about all that. You've always rated way higher than I have. I guess I just hope that you proved me wrong, Greg. Um, I mean, fourteen's not low. You know, I, I still I still rate right. him pretty highly, and I and I want to see that. I want to see him tested in March, provided that he's friendly. It'd be interesting to see a like uh, some kind of data viz of Wea, McKenney, Adams, and Pulisic and their injuries over the past twelve months. Like, how often has all four of them been healthy at the same time? Uh, probably never. Probably. I doubt it. Yeah, I doubt it's happened. Okay, number 11, Reggie Cannon. Uh, for me, he's a second choice right back and the first choice right back when Dest plays at left back, which he probably should for now. Is Cannon a perfect player? No. Did he get done up a couple times by an 18-year-old, 18-year-old from USL <laughs> in a preseason match last night? Yes. Is he better than Yedlin, Lima, and Araujo? Also, yes. So that, that's my... I think you're going to get some mail about that one. Uh, I never get any mail. I want to. I just want to chime in a bit on the on the whole Yedlin comparison uh, because everyone, you know, the the instant response is Yedlin plays every week for Newcastle. Uh, how can you possibly put Cannon ahead of him? And I feel like there's still a lack of imagination there. Where if Cannon and Yedlin were the exact same age, then yes, that's totally true. The soccer filter should have would have had time to work its magic and put the better player in sort of the better place. And that means Yedlin's better than Cannon, but they're not And the soccer filter lags and Cannon is 21. He's still on his first contract. I think it expires this summer, this, this December. Yeah. Uh, so then we'll, we'll know more. It, it goes back to that proof thing where everyone's like, but has he proven it? He hasn't proven it. He hasn't really had the opportunity to prove it. Uh, there's no way to know if Newcastle in a vacuum would choose Reggie Cannon or Deandre Yedlin. Newcastle definitely aren't going to pay $5 million right now to add Reggie Cannon to their roster when there's absolutely no need to do that. Uh, so it, it, it's you can make your case for Yedlin and say he's, a, he's obviously proven that he can play at this level, but it's you can't really say Cannon definitely can't play at that level. Yeah. I mean, so we, you got you got to say you got to have you have to go by what you've seen them play. So if you're going to make the case against Cannon, like make the case based on what you've seen in in video and by watching it. Yeah, nobody really does that. I, I mean, Cannon Cannon's been really good for the national team over the past twelve months. Um, he was, I think, one of the few players who didn't 
come away with egg on his face after we lost to Mexico in the Gold Cup final, I mean. I thought he played pretty well in that game. Um, and then, you know, this whole argument this whole argument about Yedlin being in the Premier League, I, I, isn't there... Isn't there sort of a, a dynamic here where he, you know, he had he had this like exciting World Cup performance in 2014. There was some shine on him. He gets signed by by Tottenham. It doesn't really work out at Tottenham, and he goes to Newcastle. But he's a Tottenham player at that point. So like, right. there's like this this shine that transfers. I mean, I like this soccer filter concept. We should make T-shirts about that. <laughs> but but there's also like just I don't know. There's sometimes there's sometimes luck in the way this thing this stuff works out and canon hasn't even had a chance to have good luck yet right so so anytime we're saying that canon's ahead of yedlin we're basically saying in our thought experiment reggie cannon is totally capable of starting for a mid-table premier league team and i don't think that's a ridiculous thing to say i don't think it necessarily means that a, any mid-table premier league team will instantly pay the four or five million or whatever fc dallas would want for him uh, to get him on their books right now. But I guess we'll see uh, come contract time and come December if his contract runs out, uh, whether he is he is able to sort of make that jump. Yep, let's move on. Let's move on. Number 12 is Aaron Long. I think he's the starting right center back for the men's national team right now. Any yeah, other, anything else to say any, about it? No, I don't have any quibbles. It's, he's definitely, I think, still one that just benefits from being uh, sort of implemented. If you watch any of our center backs again over the last like two years, even going back through Sarakin, uh, I don't think we've had any clown shoe center back performances. I feel like everyone we have played there has done minimally well. Like everyone's been adequate. Uh, you know, going back to who, like whoever played against France. Now I'm going to have to look it up. Who did? We had a three man back line in that game. Uh-huh. I think Miazga was involved. I believe Long was involved. I think Carter Vickers started, and and even Eric Palmer Brown. Yeah, it was Miazga, Carter Vickers, and Tim Parker, uh, and then Eric Palmer Brown got in that game. Like that's what I'm even even these guys that just are completely uh, now of thought of as like obscure. Yeah, Eric Palmer Brown was fine against France for his 45 minutes. So uh, so yes, Aaron Long is is currently the guy, and Berhalter has made him the guy. But I don't think that we've seen anything from some of these other guys that makes them really far behind Aaron Long. Yeah. He's, Aaron Long has been reliable and stable. Yep, that's what he is. And and if somebody emerges as sort of a cut above that, he, he starts to drop down the rankings. Until then, he's going to he's gonna stay in the top 15, I think. Number 13, who do we have? Jordan Morris. Uh, and you said it. You said he was probably our best player in 2019. Uh, I think that's true, and I also think it's a little depressing. And not because I think Jordan Morris is a bad player and we have it out for Jordan Morris and just want – just wanted to get past one. We want everyone to get past. That's sort of the whole point. Yeah. Uh, and two, um, remember like Morris kind of just came on in the last like two windows. Uh, he was, he was at the gold cup and he didn't have like any stellar gold cup performances. Uh, That's true. he was, he was ineffective against Mexico, just like sort of everyone else. Uh, I think he logged a, a goal against Jamaica off a, uh, no, he logged an assist against Jamaica, but really, it was just a, stru- a shot straight at Andre Blake that Blake spilled into Pool Six path. Uh, oh yeah, so that's it's, right. It's it's just sort of like he he's sort of the default best player the U.S. has had in 2019. I I think there are still the same holes that we recognize uh, in his ability to play in a possession style system, uh, which is worrying since you know that's sort of the 
the big picture that Berhalter is trying to achieve. Um, he clearly can be successful in, in sort of more wide open games where he's afforded a little more space on either on the break or, uh, against really disorganized opponents, which we might run up against in, in qualifying. But, uh, he, he had the best 2019, I'd say out of any U S attackers. Yeah. I mean, like you said, not a, not extremely high praise. I do think he'll be surpassed pretty quickly by Gio Reyna provided that's, you know, he continues to play for Dortmund and eventually probably by Ulianez as well. But for now, number Tim Weah, Tim Weah in that picture too. But yeah. Morris has definitely, Morris has definitely earned uh, his chance to sort of defend that spot. And I think that's, I think that's sort of where I'm at with him is that uh, he shouldn't be written off. He shouldn't just be thought of as like a, a placeholder. Like he should keep getting his chances to, mm-hmm. to succeed because he, he did enough to, to sort of warrant that. Uh, he seems like a really seems like a really nice guy too, as does Reggie Cannon. As I does, know. I, I always think Reggie Cannon benefits because we just like him so much. Yeah. Well, his his grand his grandpa is like a rocket scientist, or <laughs> didn't he win a Nobel Prize or something? Rose, but he was a he Cannon was part of the leadership committee in the January camp as a twenty one year old. So I think that says something. Yeah, for sure. Moving on to number fourteen, uh, Cannon's teammate, the also injured Paxton Pomacall, injured. A doctor injury absence is not improving his stock, at least for me. How do yeah, you feel that's about what how do you feel about Pomacall? Same. Uh, he's he's been dro- he's dropped slightly. I think people will still say fourteen is too high for him since he hasn't proven anything. Uh, but yeah, at this point, like we, we're we're kind of left wondering if he'll be back for qualifying for the Olympics, and if he's not, uh, suddenly like. Are we gonna? Is he gonna jump straight into the World Cup roster? Should we qualify? You know, I mean, his window for integration into the team starts getting smaller and smaller. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like you know, since he missed this this camp, this January camp, which would have been a good chance for him to you know, you know, seize some some real estate. Now he, now I now I don't know. I don't know how he fits into the midfield, given the sort of timeline you just laid out, because we got. Legette and Holmes and McKenney kind of, I think, fighting for those three, those two spots that Pomacall could maybe get involved with. So, yeah, we keep saying he needs to trend, he needs to transition to a six. <laughs> yes, it's, it's really not, <laughs> that's his, that's not his best, a bad that's idea. His, that's his best case going forward. Number 15 is Josh Sargent. I want like everything for him to come through and become that big time striker. And he has time to do that. He's, I think he's still only 19 or he just turned 20, but he's not there yet. So when you say he's not there yet, you're talking about, he's not there yet in terms of, he's not a every game starting Bundesliga striker. Who's going to bang in a bunch of goals. Yeah. Or even, uh, he's not a player who com- who influences the game as a number nine I know he's playing for a team that's really struggling and all that, but uh, but you know we've watched I've watched pretty much every minute and I I don't see a lot to be really excited about from the last few weeks. Am I being too harsh? I don't think so. We want him to move, right? Or we want or we want Bremen Werder to end up with a new manager. <laughs> do we do we think like uh, it's hard to tell how how successful he could be because they are so bad. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Josie at Sunderland style. I watched Josie at whole city. <laughs> right. Well, I watched so much 
I've watched so much Bundesliga over the last couple of years. A lot of Schalke, a lot of Werder Bremen, a lot of RB Leipzig, and and those games are they're attritional to steal a phrase from Rafa Honigstein. They they just both teams are canceling each other out with with just high work rates and lots of pressing and flying into tackles. I, I noticed I'm totally going on a side note here, but I, I noticed when you know when Pulisic went to Chelsea, it seemed like it seemed like things got easier for him. I don't know if it's because of the style of play or just because Chelsea is better than, you know, there's a bigger gap between Chelsea and a lower table Premier League club than there is between Dortmund and a lower table Bundesliga club. But um, the games are just more open and free-flowing. So what I'm saying is Sargent needs to go to Tottenham and displace (laughs) Harry Kane. No, I I think we 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 need to almost like completely reframe how we think of Sargent because we kind of had him in the same tier as uh, McKenny and like the the guys who were just moving over there. When maybe we need to start thinking of him in the same terms of like Ledesma and and the rest of the U the U twenties who haven't broken through yet, and say, all right, well Sargent at least has broken through. Like at least he's he's uh you know every game sub he gets into almost every game for. Werder Bremen. So, like, shouldn't we kind of be still be happy about where he's at? We we want him to be doing better, but if Ledesma breaks in at BSV and starts subbing in and is somewhat ineffective, we'll still think of it almost as progress from where he is right now. Right. Yeah, that's not a bad thought. That's the glass. That's the sergeant half full. Uh, look at it. Another T-shirt idea. Sergeant half full. <laughs> um. Number sixteen, but he's, but he's still what, Sergeant's still fifteen on this list. So why is he so high on this list? Well, we're seen, so because we're so thin. That's part of it. We've seen him play really well for them, for the national team. He always looks decent, at least for the U.S. And um, you know how many how many nineteen year old strikers have we had starting sometimes at a Bundesliga club right. over the past. 300 years since the inception of this nation. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really what, again, that's really what it comes down to is he is, he's worked his way into uh, the rotation and for a Bundesliga club that might be bad, uh, but he's not the reason they're bad single-handedly. Single-handedly was an important <laughs> phrase to add. All right. Number 16. Who, who is that? Jesus Ferreira. All right. Big, one of the, one of the big winners of the January camp. Um, Really good initial showing uh, allows us to play in the way that I think Burhalter wants us to play. Um, there, I, you know, I have questions about whether Sargent could have put in a similar uh, performance. Yeah. I feel like he probably could have against yeah. Costa Rica in that game I if he'd that, been asked to do true. the same things. Uh, but I'm still glad. That, I mean, it still means a lot that Ferreira was able to do it. So uh, again, thinking about we have four friendlies left. I know he'll probably be at Olympic qualifying in March, which I think is a good place for him because we can continue to evaluate him there. Uh, but I'm, I'm hopeful that he comes in and adds another player who can allow us to play the way we want to. Yep. I got nothing to add to that. Number 17 is Ulysses Yanez. Showed that a U19 Bundesliga player can look plenty effective in a national team game. A watershed moment for soccer analysis in America. No, no actually it wasn't. No, it didn't seem to move the needle at all. Uh, I, under, I understand putting like a, an asterisk next to Uli's call-up and saying, look, he got called up because it was 
basically the priority was the consideration was given to the U23s ahead of qualifying. And that totally makes sense. Uli probably doesn't get called up if the full team's available. Uh, but I don't think you can really put an asterisk next to his performance other than that it was a friendly. Um, I think you still have to compare his performance in the actual game that he actually played in against grown-up Costa Rican players against other U.S. players and other friendlies against other grown-up players. So uh, it does seem strange. Maybe I'm not that surprised that people are sort of still digging in on like, nope, now you have to send him back to the youth the youth teams uh, when yeah. his his play certainly warrants another look with the senior team. Yeah, which to be clear, I mean, if he's released for the Olympics, he should be there instead yes, of definitely with there. the men's team. Um, if he's not released, then he should be with the the men's team. That's my that's my take on it. Yep, get him in, get him in, and and take another look. It's uh, we talked about the scientific method. Like I'm I'm not a scientist by trade, but I feel nope. like when you when you run an experiment and you get unexpected results. Like the next step isn't to bury the experiment, bury the data, pretend none of it ever happened. Like I think there's a part there where you repeat the experiment and see if it was uh, an error in your instruments or if no, you actually need to adjust your theory and your model because this is this is actually what happens in the world. Yeah, you get that notebook out, you take some notes, <laughs> you do it again. All right, number 18, Tim Ream. I had I had Reem higher than you because I think he's both our second choice left center back and our second choice left back, and I think he can pass the ball in a way that none of our other center backs can except for John Brooks, who we didn't really mention this when we talked. Well, we did sort of, but we don't know that John Brooks is going to be healthy. It's a little bit of the Josie, Josie yeah. situation. So well, I'm I'm hopeful that him being out of Wolfsburg lineup actually keeps him healthy for long stretches. Yeah, maybe. Is that how it works, or does, does it mean you're like even more susceptible to injury when you come and play a, a World Cup qualifier in San, San Pedro Sula? I don't know. Yeah, I had Reem, I had Reem a little bit lower, uh, but it's funny because I actually agree with you. I have him lower because he's our second choice left center back, uh, and I feel like that's about about number twenty ish on the. I mean, we were we were close. Um, I still had him in the twenty three. Uh, I don't know that I want him as our second choice left center back anymore. Uh, he might even be, to be honest, he might be first choice left center back bells. It might be Dest on the right and Ream on the left as Berhalter's current sort of favored lineup. That's true. That's true. Um, even that's what he trotted out against Canada. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that too much. Let's move on. Okay, I mean, I like Cannon, but I don't like him so much that he, that we need to put Dest on the left, you know? Right. I guess that's how I look at it. Number 19, who's that? Jackson Ewell. Yeah, it's still... Like, go ahead. Yeah, he, he had his very good game against Canada. Is it, is it a stretch to say a very good game? No, he had I, think, a, I think it was a very good game, yeah. It, it feels like a very good game because of the, the data point that came right before it in Toronto where everything was terrible. So Ewell at least helped turn things around so that everything was adequate. Yeah. So same thing. We we just need to repeat more experiments with Ewell in there, uh, and see how he does. Uh, I don't know that I feel like he should be starting in our in our full first choice eleven, uh, but there might be games where it makes sense to put his skill set in the lineup. Yeah, I think it should be Adams at the six. We've I've said this before. We've talked about it before. Adams at the six, McKinney at the eight, and either Holmes or Legette at the ten for now. But 
I think there's a decent chance Greg Berhalter disagrees and we'll put Ewell at the six and then maybe like McKenney and Adams as the or as the ten and the eight. You know? Yeah, I, that's that that honestly is what like worries me. Uh, I'd be I'd be interested in seeing it, but I'm not super optimistic that that it's going to work out unless unless we're moving into more of like a create turnovers to create offense. Right. I mean, unless we're doing that, the only player whose skill set that suits is Jackson Ewell. Right. Uh, continuing in the tradition of building the team around uh, white holding midfielders from Major League Soccer. <laughs> Number 20, Matt Miazga. Yeah, Miazga's journey continues. He's at Reading. Is he healthy now? I can't remember. No, he's hurt. He's okay. out for a while still, uh, as far as I know. And he's out for a while. I still think that he's he's not a big drop-off from Aaron Long or Tim Ream or Walker Zimmerman if, if Berhalter thinks Zimmerman's ahead of him. Uh, and we'll just we'll just have to hope that his next loan spell is a good one as well. <laughs> right. He's just on a <laughs> he's just on a loan spell odyssey. Championship carousel. Yeah. Um number twenty one. Hey. Hello. Timmy? Timmy, Timmy Chandler. Chandler. <laughs> that you? I want I want to get ahead of this right now. This is not about for me at least, this is not about the goals. Uh, his oh, really? goals have been, his goals have been great. Uh, they've been, but, but he's, I'm going to, I'm going to put this lightly. Uh, he is massively overperforming his expected goals. <laughs> I don't know if people have been seeing his goals, but, uh, like that, that header on the corner kick is not something he's likely to repeat often or ever or ever. But, but it is even in that game though, he did have another header that was actually a much better scoring chance, uh, that, that drew a pretty good save. Um, so he, I think he is showing that he's a, he can reliably get on the end of crosses, which is, which is a good skill to have. Uh, but no, for me, it's more about just the fact that he is, he is clearly a, uh, he's clearly back. He's clearly back to being a Bundesliga regular. Uh, and this isn't first team true thing. This is, he missed an entire year with injury. He got back and was available for selection healthy and just wasn't worked back into the lineup. Uh, all the way up until December. So I think it was sort of reasonable to think that like maybe he just wasn't the same player anymore. Uh, yeah. But but he's playing now. And and as far as like the uh, whether he's motivated or not to play for the U.S., I don't know. But I don't really care. Like uh, I'm not going to I don't want to like base our call ups on like high school gossip nonsense from three years ago. Like if you call him and he says that he will play for you, then you should call him up and see how he plays for you. Yeah, I suppose. Um, I, you, I just listened would to the. Are you reluctant to bring him in? I I'm not reluctant to bring him. I, I guess I'd have a call a call with him and be like, "Yo, Timmy, do you really want to play for the national team? And if you do, can you can we trust you to like you know really take it seriously? I mean, I, I assume they have that call with any veteran that they're calling in. Right, that's what and, I'm saying. Um, you know, we'll never know the content of that conversation if if it occurs. So. It's kind of just we're just kind of in the dark on this stuff, but um, I will say one thing I noticed. I watched his touches from that game where he scored two goals. I know this sounds crazy, but outside of the two goals, he he did not look very good. Like he completed about a fourth of his passes. I know he did have that one chance you mentioned where he he headed it and drew a really nice save, wasn't it, or was it off the post? Really good save. But yeah, we we should definitely talk about how he actually plays. Uh, because I don't, I've, I've been I don't watching... really know how he plays. I, I don't really get it. You know, 
I've been watching all of his. I've been watching all of his footage since he started getting those starts in December, uh, and they they aren't impressive. And it's because uh, Frankfurt don't play anything resembling like a fluid possession style of soccer. So whatever what Chandler's doing right now is not what he would be doing if we call him into the national team. If we especially if he were to be used as a winger, which I don't I don't think that we would use him as a winger. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe we would, but, uh, Frankfurt like sit way, sit pretty deep in like a four, four, one, one and Chandler's playing essentially like a right fullback occupying the space of a midfielder. So he sits back and defends like most of his, uh, clips when you watch a clip of all of his involvements in the game are actually him sitting in that shell and then like racing out to press a player as the ball is moving to that attacking player and then dropping back after they pass it. And he's not easy to get past. Um, but that's mostly what they do. And then once Frankfurt win the ball, they move at pace into the attack. Uh, and Chandler is a very eager and willing transition runner. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's how he's been getting on the end of crosses. You'll also see him hit a ton of crosses in. That's all he wants to do when he gets the ball out wide is create enough room to whip a ball across and he whips a really good ball across. But yes, you're not going to see a single clip of like intricate combination play from Timmy Chandler through all of his minutes so far in these last like seven starts that he's gotten. Yeah. And I, I don't, I just don't see how that fits. Like, I mean, I know, I know cannons, not, you're not going to see a ton of intricate combination play from cannon, but you, sh- you sure do from Dest. And yeah, I think I you'll know. see a little, I think you see a little bit of that play from cannon. Yeah. A uh, little bit. I'm just saying not a ton. Yeah. I, th- I think if you bring Chandler in, you're almost, you're basically going to test him out at left back. Right. I mean, cause he's not going to, you're not going to bring him in and be like, all right, Dest, or, or you're moving Dest to the left, and Chandler is good enough to, that it's worth moving him to the left. Like I, I think those are about it. Uh, if you're playing him on the wing, I feel like that's it's a really he's a really conservative player to put on as a winger. Mm-hmm. I think it says you're going to play a really conservative style of soccer. Yeah, which he's maybe not, maybe we need to do that in some games. He's but. not the ideal guy for a like the sort of tuck in and combine and you know hit the overlapping guy. Right. For, right. I don't know. I, I guess I'm I'm my Chandler position has moved from I've, I've never really opposed a call up, but at this point I'm I'm just kind of ambivalent about it. Well, again, he, he there since we started this podcast, he's I think he'd only played like literally like uh, 200 minutes. So from 2018 until now, up until December when he got when he has been starting every game since. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. We're we got to go faster. We're taking a long time. Okay. On this All right. Uh, <laughs> next, next name, number 22, DeAndre Yedlin. I feel like we talked about him quite a bit when we talked about Cannon, but he's still, he's still in the top 25. I don't think yeah. there's any doubt about that. And, and he should get a couple more looks at right back to see if he can replicate what we get from Cannon and become the backup right back to Dest or be good enough that we move Dest over to the left and run a Yedlin-Dest combination. Yep. Another fullback, number 23, Anthony, Anthony Robinson. Anthony Robinson. Yeah. Uh, AC Milan move fell through, hasn't played for Wigan since then or even been in uniform, so I don't know exactly what the uh, this, the conversation is like with Wigan management. Um, he's being linked to a couple other teams for, this, uh, for the summer transfer window, uh, mostly uh, Premier League teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it's, and again, it's just the soccer filter thing where we've always thought Robinson offers quite a bit in the attack. At least I have. Um, and not terrible defending. I know he, he has a lot of high profile 
gaffes uh, in a U.S. uniform. Yep. Um, but, you know, he's not he, he's playing every game for his club. And uh, again, it's that soccer filter bit where it is possible that the 21, 22 year old defender uh, is a really good player, even though he stuck at the worst team in the championship. Like just saying, OK, he plays for the worst team in the championship, so he can't be good is, again, it's just kind of lazy and a bit of a cop out. Yeah, I mean, it, it was wild that he almost got signed by AC Milan. But it did. It does seem to have also improved his transfer stock in general because now he's now he's linked with these other teams. I forget which ones was was one of the bigger he's, clubs. He's being, was... he's being linked with Chelsea, Aston Villa, and and I don't remember who the third team is. But uh, regardless, like I don't think he's going to be playing League One football next year when Wigan go down. I think he's better than. I mean, Wigan's a shambles, and I don't think it's because Anthony Robinson is uh, not good enough to play for a championship caliber epl caliber team okay number 24 the other mr robinson miles <laughs> i think uh, this is gonna this theme is gonna come up a few other times in the top 40 but we just need it we just need a good center back we need some center backs to emerge hopefully robinson will be that he's hurt now right he yeah got- yeah he's in pomacall territory where he might miss qualifying atlanta are gonna be even more reluctant i'm sure to release him uh, so we'll, we'll have to see. But if he, if he replicates his season from last year, uh, I feel like he is a he's worth calling up for uh, the June friendlies or the June Nations League if if Atlanta don't release him for the Olympics. Because mm-hmm. we got to We got to at least che- I think we should at least be checking out. Maybe Berhalter just feels good with what he's got with Zimmerman and Long and Ream and Brooks. But I think we got to at least test test Miles Robinson out. Yeah. OK. Number 25. Who we got? Fabian Johnson. He's a left uh, he back. got to start. He got to yeah. He's a left back. He got to start uh, for Gladback uh, a couple weeks ago, and I I went through all of his video in that. He looks exactly as smooth and comfortable as he's always looked, and so he stepped right into the uh, third place team in the Bundesliga, fourth place team in the Bundesliga. Uh, I know he'd been out for a long time with injury, mm-hmm. and he still looks he still looks very clean. Good. And I and that is a position of need. It does seem very unlikely that he'll get called up, but hey, you never know. That this March friendly is perfect for it. That's true, especially if uh, you know if uh, all our young guys are injured. Not that any of them is a left back, but all right, twenty six, Richie Ledesma, exceptionally clean. Have you heard of Richie Ledesma? Have we talked about him in this podcast yet? <laughs> exceptionally clean and bright in possession week in and week out for young PSV. I think his passing percentage is like 87% as an attacking midfielder. So that's good. I'm a little concerned that he hasn't been more of a difference maker in the final third, five goals, one assist on the season. And, um, and that I'm a little, also a little concerned that probably in a related matter, he hasn't made the first, his first team debut, but. All right. But don't, don't start doubting yourself, Bells, because I think, I feel like you're the one who had pointed out that, uh, he was the assist behind the assist on like ten of PSV's goals from yeah through like a pretty long stretch of games. He was. It's just they they keep losing, and um, you know he's not he's not taking the team on his shoulders, which I think might be expected of a player. You know to 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 jump up to the first team. I don't know. I don't know what the equation is there. <laughs> well, it's it's weird because we what we want is we want him to break into the first team, or we want him. I don't want him to just be stuck on the fringe where they won't release him for Olympic qualifying, but he also isn't going to play at all with the first team. I think 
well, I would guess he'll get released at this point. He he also gets pushed around in physical battles. But still, we stand. We stand. <laughs> what a fluid player. So fun to watch. Anything right. else? No, he's your, he's still your guy. Number 27, Paul Ariola. Yeah, I just know he's I know he's not top class, but I like him in the squad. I think I had yeah. him rated a lot higher than you did. You did. I love Paul Ariola too, but I just feel like he's his his time is real limited at this point with uh with Reina coming through, Wea coming back into health, Jordan Morris playing really. I feel like again, I think I've said this. I feel like Jordan Morris is basically taking the Paul Ariola spot from the roster. And I know Ariola does a lot of good work, but I I think we're getting to the point where that was worth it because his competition for the spot wouldn't do all that work and offered very little in the attack. You know, when you're, when you're up against Corey Baird, like all that incredible work Paul Ariel does is going to be a difference maker. When you're up against somebody who might be, say, starting for Borussia Dortmund, like you're gonna, you're probably gonna take the Dortmund dude. Yeah. Yeah. No. Totally. Let's see. Number twenty-eight, Chris Richards, excellent defender. Uh, scored a game winner for Bayern 2 uh, kind of on like a broken set piece over the weekend needs to work on his distribution I think to you know to have a chance of sniffing Bayern Munich minutes and I and I, I think that's probably not in the cards at this point so we'll see what right. happens with him this summer right I think that's where we're at right that that we're gonna wait and see where where he filters out in in June July maybe alone. Uh, maybe another season with Bayern 2. We'll see. They're not going down. It looks like they're comfortably mid-table in the three Bundesliga. Which is cool because it's – I've said this on the podcast before too, but it's – don't don't underrate the quality of that league. I think it's I think it's better than a lot of people realize and uh, a little more there's – there's a real sense of urgency in those games. 29. Giazzi Zardes. Uh, I think I think you'd probably push for him to be even higher. I know I know he's not a scuffed favorite, but uh, give me give me your rationale for Zardes being even higher. I'm sure it was my score that dropped him lower. I think it was. Yeah. So this is scuffed sacrilege, but uh, he is is Sergeant a more effective striker than Zardes right now for the national team? Um. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say no. Uh, he's not that we know of. Uh, but here's how I'm going to, here's, how I'm going to couch this. Cause I'm kind of torn on, on Zardes too. Uh, there's, I think there's a lot of recency bias to everyone's sort of, uh, higher rating of Zardes because of the Canada game in Orlando. Uh, but I actually think that recency bias is a little bit fair because that was sort of the first game that we, the U S had played where they changed a bunch of things tactically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's fair to say, all right, well, we kind of have to evaluate him on these, these new standards. Cause he had, had not been great in any of his other, 800 minutes that he'd played for the u.s uh you know what i mean like a, yeah. so it's so, just such a large number of minutes <laughs> and, and i mean in the burhalter i don't know yeah, what his total yeah. is but uh so so i do think that you 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 have to take those into account but then again you have to go into how are we trying to play so if we're trying to play the way we did against costa rica uh for the first 75 minutes i don't think zardes is going to be your guy right uh do you need a guy like Zardes to come in every once in a while at the end of a game like he did against Costa Rica? And cha- I mean, so I watched all those uh, clips in a compilation against Costa Rica. And like half of them were probably him actually back in our own box defending set pieces uh, and going up for headers. So 
like he could be the forward who comes in to protect the lead and do certain things there. Yeah. Uh, but if you if you start Giazzi Zardes, you're not going to play this. You're not. You shouldn't be trying to play the same way that you played uh, in that Costa Rica game. Yeah, I think that's all fair. And yeah, I mean, he, I, I will mention he he almost almost had a really beautiful goal against Costa Rica that headed that headed goal to the far post. Yeah, not just not just the goal. He was actually the player who who extended that play with a really nice piece of work at the end line to keep the ball in balance and cut it back to the top of the box. Then it got shifted back out to the wing, and he was working to get back onside. Uh, got into a really good position because recognized the center backs had lost him. And those are all Zardes' strengths, right? Those are all the things that he does really well. That that picking out holes and uh, moving into blind spots of, of defenders, especially in the box, that's all really good. Yeah. What you what you lose is all the tidy stuff that Ferreira was doing with the ball coming into his feet. Yeah, it's like off-ball, on-ball sort of dynamic. Uh, off-ball, he's really intelligent and incisive. On-the-ball, not so much. Number 30, Alfredo Morales. I just, I'd say a useful hatchet man with Bundesliga <laughs> journeyman pedigree. Not going to elevate us in possession, but should remain on the radar. Yeah, he, he is sort of just that... In a way, he's similar to Chandler, not just because he's a dual national who was overlooked last cycle. Uh, he is like just going to be a, just a ball ache to play against in the middle of the field. Yeah. And and he's shown that in his, his uh, U.S. men's national team renaissance. Uh, and I think I think his game – so he got in in that Canada game in Orlando. And I think that's sort basically the correct way to use him. He came in, in the uh, with, what, 20 minutes to go. You put him in the middle of the field, and he just chases things around and tries to wreck people while we have a lead. Yep. Yeah, that'll be so. Bring on Morales and Zardes to close out games and World <laughs> and Cup qualifying. Throw throw Chandler in the wing and just rip people to. I mean, yeah, just break people up. Yeah. All right, number thirty-one is Walker Zimmerman. I'd say he's the fifth or sixth center back. Again, I I would put Miazga ahead of him, but it's not like a huge difference. Probably, he's now in Nashville, sold by LAFC for some large amount of magic MLS dollars. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's just it's all flip a coin with the with the center backs and Zimmerman's uh, the older of the two, the oldest of a lot of the guys. Uh, is he older than Long, or are they about the same age? I think he's younger. I think he's a little long. younger. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's something where if we were if we were to start Walker Zimmerman in a World Cup qualifier, I'd be like, all right, that's fine. Yeah. I guess. I, I would be a little disappointed, but he's not he's not far off the other guys. Number 32, Mark McKenzie. I'm looking for a big year from him. Got his first cap against Costa Rica, looked fine, didn't do that much. Uh, I think mainly I'm excited about him because he holds promise as that ball-playing center back who can move with the ball at his feet. So really outside of goalkeeper David Ochoa, I think he's the young player in MLS that, I'm going to be watching most closely. I mean, aside from the entire Dallas roster. <laughs> All right. No, that's fair. Uh, I think McKenzie was, was really hurt by the fact that he was injured going into U20 World Cup because so many of the guys made a real good case for themselves in that tournament, and he just wasn't able to. I I should mention this now because I'll probably forget at the end of the show. We are not doing goalkeepers. Goalkeepers <laughs> are not part of the top 40. Do your own goalkeepers if you want to hear about yeah. goalkeepers. <laughs> <laughs> number th- number 33 Alex Mendez you got anything on him no not really I mean he 
he's still just he's still just sort of I don't want to say treading water at Ajax, but kind of treading water, right? Yeah, he's just kind of. It's not do, a bad thing. It's not, bad. Doing it's not his a thing. terrible place to be. He he plays on the right right wing some. Uh, I I swear he'd be higher if once he'll be higher once he puts seven more pounds of muscle on. But yeah, just business as usual in Amsterdam, playing on the wing quite a bit, being asked to press and tackle, uh, not entirely comfortable in that role or out wide, and he loses some physical battles. But he does he he does that thing where he can unlock a defense with his passing. Uh, he does it even from the wing. And I'm just gonna say the flame still burns. The flame still burns. Right. I mean, we're. We, uh, I'm gonna. We got to keep our fingers crossed for a guy like Mendes. He's he he's starting. I think he's been starting almost every game for Young Ajax. So he's getting his minutes. He's getting his development time in. Yep. All right. Let's stick with the Youngs. Number thirty-four, Chris Gloucester. Yes. So again, this is this is going back to the the whole prove it concept, uh, where I don't abide by that too terribly much. Uh, but it was like watching Sam Vines do really well for the U.S. men's national team in a, against grown-ups in, for Costa Rica made me think, like, I feel like Chris Gloucester could do this. I feel like Chris Gloucester could come in and play a little bit. Yeah, I agree with that. I I don't know how close he is to, like, the first-team breakthrough at PSV that everybody's hoping for. But he's in a good place. He's in a good place to develop. And I, I do agree that if he had come in into that Costa Rica game, he, I can't imagine him looking much different from Vines. Maybe a little more comfortable on the ball, maybe a little less athletic. 35. All right. We're, we're, maybe people already think we're reaching. Uh, 35, Owen Otisoe, U20 eligible center back prospect, uh, playing for Wolves, played for Wolves. Uh, hasn't been on too many rosters since his uh, contract was signed. I don't know if that's <laughs> did he get, significant did he get or not. <laughs> <laughs> they showed him the world. Uh, and then they just shut him in the basement. <laughs> no, I think he's, I really like him. And I, and I know, you know, he played, he played in a Europa League game, right? He did. Yeah, he, he did. It was a, it was a dead rubber. It was like their last game of the group that they already advanced. Uh, but he did, he did get on the field. Uh, Clever on the ball, quick, tall, and aerially dominant. If we can get him in the fold, it'll be a big win, I think. And this is kind of same vein as Mark McKenzie. He's a he's a high potential center back, and we need we need that. And he he's played some youth national team soccer for the U.S., so the groundwork is laid. And yeah, and again, U twenty eligible. So uh, I mean, if any of our other U twenties going into the last cycle had been, you know, on the cusp of breaking through at the Premier League, we would have been pretty excited about that player. Yeah. Yep. Thirty six. All right, we talked about him a little bit. Sam Vines uh, came into that game against Costa Rica, started the game against Costa Rica, I should say, uh, and looked certainly as good or better than what we've seen from Daniel Lovitz. Yep. Solid left back depth. Probably a stalwart in Olympic qualifiers. All right, 37 is kind of a kind of a out of, out of nowhere pick, but it's Keaton Parks. Uh, Keaton Parks, Bells. I don't know. This is the point where we're just totally pulling names out of a hat. <laughs> our number, our, there's some intentionality behind number forty, which we will get to. But thirty-seven, thirty-eight, thirty-nine. I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't think so. I, I, I like the Keaton Parks pick. Uh, I mean, the guy came in and played center mid for for New York City for their like turnaround uh, portion of the year, where they went on to to kind of dominate the Eastern Conference. So 
uh, you know, he's clearly he's clearly a player. Like he's there's no reason to think that think of him in as as being so far below. I don't know, like a Christian Roldan, right? Or he, Brendan Aronson? Yeah, no, I I I would we did choose to put him on here instead of Roldan and Aronson, and I stand by that. Uh, and and it's like you said earlier, he could be he could be anywhere from fourteen to. 40 on here and I I could I could see the argument and I could see it actually becoming much more clear in the next few months I'm actually I'm actually kind of curious if there were uh contract reasons for him not being in January camp like he he had just sort of settled his move from Benfica to New York City permanently uh so I wonder if that played into why he wasn't involved in that or if he's just not in the Olympic plans wasn't he also like like nearly every other player on this list injured at the end is of the season. Is he crocked? Yeah, maybe he is. I think he got injured right at, right before the playoffs. Okay, number 38. Nico right. Joachini. These he, are fun ones. <laughs> he, he's playing at SM Khan. I got that right that time, didn't I? I believe so. In the, the French second division. He's a hardworking number nine, not a transcendent player, but on a really good traje- trajectory for his age, which is 19. And he started 10 matches in Liga 2 since late October and scored a couple goals. Yeah, and, and I think for me, he's I, I think I probably have the March window in mind with him, being that we're going to be in Europe and gonna, we're going to be light Ferreira and whoever else is missing for, you know, Ebola say whoever's missing for Olympic qualifiers. Yep. It just feels like a time to get somebody like him in. Uh, he's not U20 eligible, but get him in. And he actually is Olympic eligible, but I don't see him being released. Anyway, get him in. Yep. Just take a look at him with the with the grownups and be like, all right, you can or can't play. Yeah, agree to agree. Number 39. You take him. Kobe Hernandez Foster. Yeah. So people will people will laugh at us because he he doesn't even have a club at this point. <laughs> but right. he people is laugh, he but... is a trans he is is a transcendent talent. And I think the the only question is can he handle the you know one v one defending wide at the pro level? It's a question that we won't get an answer to for you know at least several months, maybe even years. But um, but if he can do that, he's gonna he's going to be a great left back. Right. And Ulianis just showed us that you can go from having no, uh, we shouldn't say he has no experience playing against adults because Uli played USL soccer with LA two, uh, for whatever half a season. So he did play against adults technically, but anyway, he showed that you can do it. Like that's not, it's not such a massive leap that there's just no human way to, to make that, uh, jump. Uh, so, that's how that's how I'm justifying my Kobe Hernandez optimism. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm very optimistic. I mean, he, he can hit that ball. He can hit a ball with his left foot very sweetly wherever he wants to. Yeah. It's amazing, and he's he's good in combination. But yeah, that's that's the kind of thing that I know he he's a left back, but he, we've seen him play a bunch of center back, and a lot of those clips are from him playing center back. But that's kind of the different the differentiator because we talk about all those center backs who all do the same thing, even even like Cameron Carter Vickers, Eric Palmer Brown. Uh, Hernandez offers that other piece that that those guys just don't bring to the table. Yeah. All right, the number forty spot. All right, ding 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 ding, Jose <laughs> Gallegos. 
we just decided to put him at number 40 last night because you know i've i've been i've rated him highly for uh, at least a few months there are other people who've been touting him longer than i have so i can't claim to be the first but uh he he's a usl player at san antonio fc 18 years old um has so far been snubbed by the youth national team system but he played against fc dallas in a in a preseason friendly last night i don't know did you you, you saw some of the clips certainly did you see yeah the, yeah the i had it on i had it running okay yeah, I mean, he he, he kind of tuned up the FC Dallas first team for about 75 minutes. Yeah. But, I mean, it's not an exaggeration to say he was the best player on the field, is it? No, I don't think so at all. Yeah. Uh, this, so, is a, this is a field that Ferrero was on, Edwin Cerillo, Rito, Rito Ziegler. Reggie Cannon. Reggie Cannon. Reggie was, he was up, he, Gallegos was going up against Cannon quite a bit. Yeah, and got the better of him, I think. It is fair to say he's really, really, he's he's really, really strong. Really good first touch. Uh, good moves well off the ball. Presses really hard. I said a lot of this on Twitter, so if you follow me there, then I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, <laughs> no, I think uh, as an attacking uh, mid, go ahead. I keep, I keep rambling on. Go ahead. You, you watch you watch him play, or you watch him do that against FC Dallas, and and you're like, oh well, surely like he'll be picked up by the end of the weekend. Because I in my head, I'm like, <laughs> if if like PSV were playing a preseason game against an amateur side and some 18 year old unattached player like tuned up their first team, like their first team players, like he'd be signed before he left the stadium. Uh, yeah. But I don't think, I, I just don't think it, it is that simple with MLS because of the various uh, roster mechanisms and salary cap mechanisms. So you actually can't just invest the money. Like PSV could just throw a contract and be like, Hey, we'll give you 60,000 or whatever. I mean, whatever they, Decide to pay, like FC Dallas can't do that. Even though he he just sort of rocked him a little bit, they can't just take that risk because it ties up a roster spot. Some people were very helpful in explaining all this to me today. Because thanks, guys. Yeah, Matt and Travis. Uh, yeah, it's like they have to call the county. FC Dallas would have to call the county supervisor and get a waiver <laughs> signed by the state legislature. Who knows? I mean, who knows? Also, there's there's a couple other stuff. Gallegos is uh, committed to NC State. And he's not on a pro deal with San Antonio. He's on an amateur deal or whatever you call that, where you can still go to college. So there's a lot of little wrinkles in the, in that situation. I think it all gets solved pretty quickly if he continues to play like he did last night. And um, and if it doesn't, and he ends up going to college, good for him. You know what I'm, right. you know what I'm saying? Right, right. Not not super great for for us and in our vicarious. Uh, hobbies, but uh, that's I, I feel like I feel like that's the kind of video that if because I mean PSV found Ledesma on a USL video uh, scouting, so that's the kind of thing that I feel like could get a guy a contract uh, yeah, again with, within a couple weeks. Ledesma had some really nice footage at USL level. He never had a game like like Gallegos had last night, where he scored a goal and like just worked the other team. And Gallegos is 18, so again, uh, literally, like, a, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but literally, as far as I know, as far as I understand it, PSV could call up his home tomorrow, and they could have him, right? Right. There'd be no, he, he wouldn't need an agreement, he wouldn't need an out with any of his, with San Antonio. I think like that's that true. I don't, I, hopefully, if someone can, wants to correct us on this, <clears throat> Scott Jorick. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish San Antonio all the best in locking him up and getting some kind of compensation for him if he does make a make a move. Yeah. Agreed. 
All right, that's the, our forty. That's our forty. Do we, I don't think we have time to talk about people we omitted. Let's like, just we can list them and just be like, good with it. Okay. We didn't like we didn't forget these guys. Like we didn't forget Michael Bradley. We didn't forget Christian Roldan, Tyler Boyd. Uh, just like I just don't think that even going back to the proving things, like I don't think Roldan and Boyd have proven anything with with the chances they've gotten. So if you go back a a year with Roldan and say where's Roldan in January 2019, like you'd say maybe on the fringes of the national team, and he's gotten a ton of opportunity to show that he's more than that and never has. Yeah, I don't. I you don't have to you don't have to argue with me about Christian Roldan. Um, Michael Bradley, I think some people will defend him, but he's he's getting old. And it, what's the what else? What what's well, the argument against him? He's getting old, and the way you have to play to make Michael Bradley his best self, uh, I feel like hurts the players around him. So suddenly, um, everyone else sort of suffers for it, and that might not be fair to Michael Bradley, but I feel like that's where we're at right now. So uh, I don't see the need to try to. Uh, keep him in the fold i think i think he's sort of at this point aged out he's injured too so he's gonna miss march anyway um but it just it feels like now is the time that he is he's sort of sent on his way into into mls and retirement yeah not the same thing i'm not saying those two things are the same thing the one on this list that i think has a real shout for being in the top 40 and is not is uh darlington nagby i guess this is just me assuming he's not gonna He's not going to get called up or not going to accept the call up. And, you know, after a certain point in time, you just, I, I guess I just kind of accept that, you know? Right. We've made our peace with it. Plus, plus, the Jets looked good. Uh, Adams is back to healthy, technically, by Ish. the by the window. Uh, so, uh, Holmes has been on fire. So, uh, the need to try to incorporate Darlington Nagby, I feel like is all, if it were Nagby or Roldan, I'd be like, please continue to try to like butter up Darlington Nagby. But I don't think that's really the case anymore. And I would be totally fine with uh, a lot of other midfield combinations. Okay. All right. All right. I think we need to, I think we need to end it here. I, I want to say quickly, thank you to all our Patreon subscribers. Uh, we don't thank you guys enough. We really appreciate it. Um, we, we didn't have time to get to some questions, but we, but we will, we will, we'll get to questions eventually and, um, hope everybody has a good weekend.